guess it's time for another season to begin with episode 118 of the British Bird Gang Breakdown. With the NFL kickoff a matter of hours away, but the more important game for us on Sunday, what better time to preview the 2021 Arizona Cardinals season with me, Tom, and Callum? Hi, hi, Tom. How are you doing? I'm in pretty, pretty good mood. I'm very much looking forward to some actual football at some point this week. Yeah, I mean, like, obviously... We didn't really care too much about the first night game, but you know, next year will be us in that, and we're the reigning Super Bowl champions. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's it's all well and good, you know, like getting an NFL kickoff and stuff like that. But let's be honest, it's Cardinals football that we're here for. It's Cardinals football that I'm excited for, and as it stands, we've got less than a week to go. And it's also Cardinals football. What our listeners are here to listen to us prattle on about for God knows how long. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And we've got plenty to get through this week. So shall we start off with some news? Yeah, well, obviously the main news we've got to cover in this episode is the fact that Malcolm Butler seems to have retired from out of nowhere. Yeah, I mean, um, out of nowhere, I think is the correct way to describe that. It really is a bit of a, you know, it's a bit of a shocker, actually. Yeah, I mean, I think as I put down in the list, it's one of the more shocking bits of news we've probably had to bring in the 118 episodes of this podcast we've done so far. Yeah, absolutely. It's definitely it's something that, you know, as far as I know anyway, I mean, I, I feel like it really did come completely out of nowhere. There wasn't any rumors or anything like that of, of um, Malcolm Butler's going to retire or he's not going to play the season or whatever. And, and you know, it came after camp, after training, after preseason for a lot of it, you know, and, and, and just all of a sudden it looks like he's going to hang up his boots. Yeah, it came like after our third preseason game was cancelled as well due to the hurricane, which obviously we missed out on, sadly. We did indeed. There's no uh, coverage of that from us, but, you know, that, that game got cancelled. And then, you know, one of the, the next things that was in the news cycle is no Malcolm Butler for the Cardinals this year. Yeah, he decided to hang up his cleats and retire, apparently due to a personal issue. Out of respect, we're not going to speculate what that might mean, unlike other podcasts seem to have done. So, you know, instead we'll focus on what it might mean for the group later on in the podcast. You know, it's obviously uh, sort of relatively undisclosed for a reason, and, and I think that's fine to leave it at that. The one thing I will say, though, is that... Um, I think it's a shame. You know, I was looking forward to to watching him play this season and, you know, I think he would have been um, an, an excellent uh, guy to, you know, go on and, and ward the number 21 next. Ward. <laughs> uh, well, anyway, on to uh, other news and um, we've got Jordan Phillips back onto IR. Yeah, I feel like it's a sense of deja vu with this news item because once again, the big money free agent signing of last year is again on the injured reserve list and will miss at least the first three games of the 2021 NFL season. Not the first time, and, and I really don't think it'll be the last time. Big, uh, as you said, a free agent signing, getting himself onto the uh, to the IR list. And it's a real shame because I do think that this guy, you know, could be bringing a lot to the team. And, and yeah, we're going to be, you know, without him for the first three games, which means ultimately as well that he'll be coming back to game four um, at the earliest, uh, out of condition. Yeah, I mean, cause already his preseason was curtailed with injuries and a stint on the COVID list as well. So, you know, don't really know what to say anymore when it comes to talking about Jordan Phillips. You said it here in the in the show notes, and I definitely agree with you that he's going to have to produce, you know, 
either one hell of a season as a whole or at least enough flashes that we can see what what he's made of um for us to not cut him for 2022 you know at this point you you need to be able to see that production you need to be able to see and actually in this case as well if he goes back on ir at any point for the rest of the year i think that's it you know yeah you can't come back off it a second time definitely a shame i i I do wish him the best i really hope that we do see him come back you know later in the year um and, and produce the football that you know we've seen him be capable of before you know you you can't be uh on IR this whole time, pulling down a paycheck. Exactly. And they also say that the best ability in the NFL is availability. And so far, we've not had that from him. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, what's the point in in being part of a scheme and being part of a game plan if you you know are, are not going to be there on a Sunday, right? I think there is one good thing about it, though. We do have a pretty deep defensive line. Absolutely. Which we'll obviously touch on in a bit because we're going to go through our 53-man roster now. Well, should we just get straight into that, actually? Yeah, I mean, like, fortunately for us, there hasn't been too many changes since this was actually announced last week, you know, which is good because for me it took forever to tag this all out on the document (laughs) that we've got. Yeah, indeed. Um, Obviously, you know, it's in the past couple of weeks, uh, the teams all needed to cut themselves down to the final 53-man roster that they're going to be going into the season with. So we saw some movement. Um, we saw you know people going on to the practice squad. We saw people being released altogether. Um, I don't think we had a huge amount of action in terms of picking new guys up, right? No, like we didn't pick anyone up on the waivers following the cut to 53, but we have added a handful of new faces onto the practice squad, which yeah. again, we'll touch on later once we've got through the 53-man roster to begin the 2021 season. Yeah, and uh, well, let's start with um, you know the the main man. Um, oh well, let's start with the quarterbacks in general because um, uh, shocking everyone, Kyler Murray has in fact made the fifty uh, three man roster. Um, he isn't just a pretender, uh, and, and he's out there. He's going to be starting QB. Yeah, we have backup from Colt McCoy and also Chris Strevel is along for the ride as well. I would quite like to see. Oh well, obviously, I I want to see neither Colt McCoy or Chris Traveler play all season because that would, or actually, no, I would like to see them play some fourth quarters because we're in an absolute blowout. When it it would be good to see um, Chris Traveler you know coming along as a backup because when it came to relying on him at the end of the season last year, uh, he just wasn't able to deliver. Um, and Colt McCoy, obviously, a, a seasoned um backup quarterback at this point and you know a, a good addition to the team and and that's that's a nice one to have like as a as a backup option should kyler be hurt or you know even in something like concussion protocol or something like that or even covid because you know that's still lingering around the league uh, absolutely yeah but of course year three is going to be the year everyone's expecting kyler murray to basically take off maybe become a MVP candidate for the whole season as opposed to like the first few weeks like he was last year. Yeah, I mean year three is the traditional um, jump up, isn't it really? Uh, in terms of overall kind of um, quarterback performance. I mean we did see a decent year two from him because he did make it to the Pro Bowl and he had all pro nominations so it's like it's not like he was terrible in his second year but you know going into year three with an even better grasp of the offense you know, he's had a whole preseason to work on it as well this year, so expectations are rightfully high for him this year. Yeah, absolutely, and and you know, I think as well, like if we can see him 
um, maintain his healthiness. Um, and, and part of that maintaining healthiness is going to be making smarter decisions when the moments come, you know. Um, if we can see him do those things, then I think that we're going to, you know, easily see that year three bump. Yeah, and of course, we've got Colt McCoy in at the backup. He's been around the league for many years now. Uh, yeah, and he, he he's a guy who, who knows what he's doing. He's a voice of experience. Um, he's he's an excellent backup. He knows how to play that position well. Um, and, you know, just a, a, a well-liked guy overall, I think. I suppose the main thing is we don't really want to see him at all this season, unless it's him on the bench, you know, talking to Kyla after he's had a successful drive, you know, telling him what he's seen, that sort of thing, you know, from another quarterback's perspective. As I said, you know, I think it would be nice to see him as well in for some fourth quarters to to rest Kyler, you know, if we if we were up by enough points or whatever. Um, but that being said, you know, you got to be realistic about these things, and, and injuries do happen, um, particularly towards the end of the season. COVID interruptions do happen, and I think um, having somebody like that uh, who's there as a backup is is at least a, a more inviting prospect than having Drew Stanton there. And of course, we've got the backup, Chris Strevel, you know, he might be the odd one out on game day, you know, like he'll be on the inactive list each week. If he's called upon, say like one of the other two end up in the COVID protocols, you know, he's going to be there. I, th- I think um, we didn't really see the best of Chris Streveler last year. I think he was kind of thrown in at quite late notice. Um, I think he was thrown in against one of the most prolific defenses in the NFL who were banged up themselves for sure, but, you know, um, and it was also a, a win and in situation, which is a lot of pressure to put on a guy. So I do think that he is more capable than he's shown us. Um, but, you know, ho- hopefully if he can um, learn learn some more while he's there, then he could be, you know, potentially a, a perennial uh, backup for us. Moving on to the running back room, the Cardinals decided to keep four on the roster this time round. Yeah, indeed. A different, uh, quite a different looking roster from last year as well. Yeah, we've got Chase Edmonds, James Connor, Eno Benjamin, and Jonathan Ward. And I think, you know, ultimately the guys that we're going to be seeing the vast majority of here are going to be Chase Edmonds and James Connor. Oh, yeah, absolutely. They're going to be like the 1A slash 1B for the team. And I think, you know, we're, we're going to see them in, especially in the early season, we're going to see them used in lots of different situations until, you know, they, they can really work out where, you know, each other's strengths lie, I guess. What I mean, like, with Connor as the bigger back, he's own, he's probably going to be, like, the goal line back, isn't he? Yeah, but a thir- third down goal line back, and then you get your, uh, you get Chase Edmonds out, especially in plays when, you know, he might be out acting as a receiver. Although we do know that um, uh, Connor has some, you know, safe hands. Yeah, I mean, he's not like quite to the level of Chase Edmonds, I don't think. You know, that being said, uh, I, I think we're going to see um, both of them probably getting equal carries, you know, provided they both stay healthy. I think we're going to see equal carries for at least the first couple of games of the season, and then, you know, it'll start to settle down a little bit from there. You know, Benjamin and Jonathan Ward, that's kind of almost more specialized situations again. Yeah, I think we'll obviously, with how he performed in pre-season, they're probably more likely going to see Eno Benjamin as like the kick returners this year. Yeah, special teams is, is definitely a good spot for him. We've seen him do really, really well, as you said, in the preseason. And then, of course, if he needs to come into the game, we know he can carry the ball. If he can do it at home in front of a local crowd as well, I'm sure that would um, go down well. 
wide receivers another room which looks pretty stacked when you look at the guys who they had to keep and the guys who they unfortunately had to let go. Uh, yeah, indeed. Um, I mean, I think there's been a... Uh, you know, it's a good problem to have, I think, having this much talent at wide receiver. So yeah, on the 53-man roster, the Cardinals are going to be keeping DeAndre Hopkins, AJ Green, Christian Kirk, Rondale Moore, Andy Isabella and Antoine Wesley. DeAndre Hopkins and AJ Green are, are both like, you know, a little bit past their prime, either getting a bit older, all that sort of stuff. To which I say, number one, did you watch DeAndre Hopkins last year at all? Uh, and number two, you know, when you look at that group as a whole, it's not an old group as a whole. Partially not helped by the Cardinals themselves, who've always had this reputation as being like the old folks home of the league. When when it comes to that, people are referring to Hopkins and Green being you know, older players who've been around for a while. But when you look at them, especially with the, with the rest of them, it's not as though it's like an all an old group, is it? I mean, Hopkins has still probably got at least two, three years at the top of his game, you know, maybe even longer. As I, as I said, like if you look at him last year, he was de facto wide receiver one for, for the Cardinals and did extremely well. We've got the enigma that's Christian Kirk probably going to be the wide receiver three. Yeah. I mean, you, you never know what you're going to get with Christian Kirk, do you? Like, one game he's making, like, 60-odd catches down the field, a couple of touchdowns. The next, he's getting one catch for, like, five yards or something like that. To be honest, I feel like it's a lot of the time down to the defensive scheme that he's up against because, you know, we, we kind of see Christian Kirk perform at his best, in my opinion, when he can be, like, a, a really good deep threat. And I think, you know, it's like, even when he's not getting those catches... At least he's being a decoy. Although I will say that you know sometimes you 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 watch the game and you're like, I just have the feeling he's going to drop this one, you know. But yeah, I think I think you're right. Christian Kirk probably in wide receiver three, and then um, you know wide receiver four slash other roles being split between Rondo Moore and Andy Isabella. With did, did we work out um, who Antoine Wesley was? I mean, it was really more of a rhetorical question because. I think we're pretty well aware of who Antoine Wesley is. He's a guy who was at college at the same, he was at Texas Tech at the same time as Cliff Kingsbury, so obviously he's going to know the offense pretty well. And unlike guys like Rondell Moore and Andy Isabella, he's I think he's six three, six four. He's gotta be like the big height. Because obviously behind AJ AJ Green's like six three, DeAndre Hopkins is six two, six three, I think. So so yeah, like behind them two, we haven't really got much. These are especially good in like goal line situations or short passes as well. When like all you need to do is just put the ball high enough that nobody else can get to it, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and then of course um, the other wide receiver news there is that despite all of the um, the hopes of millions, Andy Isabella did in fact make it onto the squad, and as as regular listeners will know we are a pro Andy Isabella podcast here. Yeah, I mean, it was a shame for him that we didn't get the third preseason game because he was probably going to be playing quite a lot of it to try and save his job. I would have expected him to almost be wide receiver one. Even though he would have had Chris Streveler throwing him the ball, so, you know, he'd have to take that into account when it comes to, like, obviously he's not the best quarterback, is he so... Yeah, exactly. I mean, you you can take. They know how to take these things into account. You know, they they know what they're looking for. And sometimes, you know, even if you get thrown a duck of a pass, you can either still catch it or you can still be in the right place of where you should have been, making the right motions to catch a ball that 
would have been you know a good throw, for example. At least on the internet, it seems to be people were thinking it was either going to be Rondale Moore or Andy Isabella. But why can't it be Rondale Moore and Andy Isabella both producing on the offense? Because you know, you know, it's one of the things that we've seen over the past few seasons as well is that Kingsbury is quite good at shuffling players in and out of offensive packages as and when they're needed. Um, so I do think that we're going to see playing time for you know, like offense, first string offense, playing time for all of these guys at some point or other. I do have a dream of seeing like a five wide set out there, you know, like DeAndre Hopkins, AJ Green on the edges. You got Christian Kirk over the middle and you got Rondell Moore and Andy Isabella, like just basically going deep, you know, who's going to cover that? Uh, it, it would rule. The one downside is, is that I think any situation where you're about to do that is probably a bad situation for the uh, for the game as a whole. Not particularly. It could just be like the first play of this game. Oh, yeah, just just throw something that, that's a bit of razzle-dazzle at them. Yeah, exactly. We've done it before because I think we had like... It's true, yeah. And we've also got a quarterback who we know can get himself out of trouble. Exactly. You know, what better way to start the game than like a 75-yard touchdown to someone? <laughs> oh, man. A man can dream. What better way to start the season? Exactly. Start that week one against Tennessee, Cliff, you know. If you listen to the podcast, you know what to do. (laughs) One guy who wouldn't be able to be on the field for a five wide receiver set would be a tight end, of which we have three on the roster. We have Max with another X, Williams. We have Darrell Daniels and we have Demetrius Harris. You get much to say on that group. You know, I think it's it's a group of Cardinals that, we, we kind of see once in a while, but generally speaking, they're going to be there for blocking. Yeah, I mean, like, obviously, Max Williams, we know him from last year. He's not going to be, like, a receiving threat, is he? He's just going to, like, maybe pop up once in a while with, like, a decent catch. Yeah, he had his moments last year, and I think, you know, ultimately, the nice thing that a tight end does is basically be a, an eligible lineman, you know? And it's just, like, the way that Kingsbury seems to use tight ends as almost as a trick play. You know, it's like that's the thing that he does when nobody's expecting him to throw to uh, anybody else, you know, and then it's like, oh yeah, I've also got a tight end on the field. Daniels is one who's really used on special teams, so that's where we're probably going to see most of him. Um, probably the same with Demetrius Harris, to be honest, although he, he can block quite well, I think. Yeah, but, you know, like the Cardinals don't really pay much attention to the tight end position, neither do we on the podcast, so we'll move swiftly on to the next position group. Yeah, indeed, next position being offensive line, um, where we have, uh, you know, quite a quite a bit of depth, which is um, something that's good to see, although the offensive line unit did manage to stay pretty healthy last year, uh, and we've got quite a few returning faces there, where overall we've kept DJ Humphreys, we've kept Justin Pugh, Rodney Hudson, Justin Murray, Kelvin Beecham, Joshua Miles, Max Garcia, and Brian Winters. Actually, no, I think I'm missing someone on there, because I'm sure, what's his name, mate, the team, Josh Jones? Uh, I didn't hear him being cut. Let's have a look. Because I'm pretty sure he's going to be the starting right guard, so, you know, that's kind of a big fuck-up on my part if we've not got him <laughs> on the list. I mean, he's on the he's on the roster. That's nine we've got on the team, not eight. Yeah, Amateur hour on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, it's um nine nine seems like a good good thing and I think um you know, as we've seen with um with a lot of these uh groups, you've got guys who do have the ability to rotate and play at other positions. Um obviously the the whole unit starts to lose efficiency when you get guys outside of their favorite spot, but 
you know, overall, I, I think um, the offensive line uh, really impressed us last year, you know, uh, at least when they were healthy. I mean, it might be like the best defensive line that we've had since we've been in Arizona, or at least for like so many years, you know, I don't remember one. Definitely in the time that we've been covering them, which is now our seventh year or something like that, something crazy like that. But, you know, for, for a good long while, it's, it's the best offensive line that we put together last year. And, you know, I would like to see them continue their improvement. Um, and if not continue their improvement, I'd like to see them, you know, hold fast. I mean, we've not really got much to say about the offensive line, do we? Just as long as they all stay healthy, they keep Calamari upright and, you know, open up some some run lanes for both James Connor, Chase Edmonds and even Calamari himself, you know, just do your job, basically. As in general, you know, it's it's a shame for um, the offensive line because you don't really notice when they do a good job. You just notice when they do a bad job. It, it seems like a good group, and I'm fairly happy with that. But um, one group that, that has changed a lot from last year and something that, you know, a group that I'm quite excited to see this year is the defensive line. I mean, it's not really changed that much. There's only really the addition of J.J. Watt to it. Yeah, that's true. But I do think that that moves around a lot from where we were. You know, it changes focus. It changes strategy a little bit. Yeah, so the defensive line, they've got six people on their list owing to Jordan Phillips heading to IR. So we've got J.J. Watt, Rashad Lawrence, Zach Allen, Corey Peters, Lecky Fotu, and Michael Dogby. I think defensive line is, is somewhere that will be very interesting to watch um, over the next, you know, yeah, o- over the start of the season. I think it'll be interesting to see where everyone falls into place. Yeah, because I mean, like, from that group, we're obviously going to have JJ Watts starting. Then I'm not sure, maybe like Lawrence or Peters in the middle. And hopefully Zach Allen can stay healthy and deliver more of those games like he had against Philadelphia last year. You know, when he had like 11 tackles. Yeah, that was some game he had out of like almost nowhere. So we do we do know what he's capable of in the right, you know, situation. He's another one who's had like quite a few rave reviews from his off-season progress because he's apparently like lost weight, but also gained as well. So he's in a lot better physical condition. Yeah, he'd like lost fat and gained muscle sort of thing. Yeah, I think he said like 6% body fat or something like that, which is just... That's wild. <laughs> I mean, these guys, like, it's obviously they're very, very athletic to begin with, but I do think, you know, especially on the defensive line more than the offensive line, if you've got the explosiveness to get off the line fast, that's what's going to help you get to that second level, you know, so much better. And of course, he's learning from one of the best in J.J. Watt as well. So, you know, that's not a bad thing for a Well, not a rookie, but like a really young player. J.J. Watt, obviously famously uh, injury-prone player and, and a guy who is a bit further on in his career. But that being said, you know, regardless of how much he even plays, like the leadership that he's going to bring to that squad, especially a group of other guys who are, you know, a bit younger in general, is going to be, is going to be really exciting to see. I think another group which looks pretty good on paper is the outside linebacker group because we've got, for that, Chandler Jones, Marcus Golden, Devon Kennard, Dennis Gardek, and Victor Dibukeji. Yeah, absolutely. It's another group as well of guys who I think, you know, at various times last year, we, we had talked about, you know, almost all these guys in a in a context of having had a really good game at one point or another. Yeah, because I mean, like, obviously Chandler Jones, he's spent 
pretty much the off-season apparently hankering for a trade, but there was a report the other day saying that he's now all-in for the 2021 season for the Cardinals. So, I mean, that's good to hear, isn't it, when we get close to the season? Yeah, I mean, that's just the thing. It's like, I mean, I I can understand, you know, if you wanted to trade and stuff like that. And if it's handled correctly, um, unlike a certain other defensive player who left, you know, I think it can be, it's a totally fine thing to have. Um, But, you know, the professional thing to do is when that's not going to materialize is to turn around and go like, well, no, I, you know, I didn't get the trade and now I am completely 100% on board. I'm, I'm in, you know. Um, and that's the kind of thing that you love to see. And here's hoping that, you know, he can, again, stay healthy and deliver a season like he did in, you know, 2019. Yeah, Marcus Golden's another one. He's here on a two-year contract, so we've got him for this year and next year. There was a lot of talk as well in the off-season. Perhaps the Devon Kennard could have been a cap casualty. You know, maybe we were a bit strapped for cash during free agency. Yeah. But he seems to have stuck around despite all that. So, you know. Yeah, it's a, it's a lucky thing to see because I do think that he is a um, a talented player and I'm looking forward to, um, you know, seeing what he can produce uh, in, in a season when he can both, you know, remain healthy and also be part of, like, a, a, an overall more productive unit. And then, of course, we've got Dennis Gardek, who's coming a bit of a fan favourite. Yeah, definitely a, a common feature on the podcast last year, at least. And, you know, guy that we were mentioning and praising a, you know, a fair bit. And also some sort of miraculous recovery from a torn ACL as well. Not sure we, how he did it, but, you know, he's managed it. He he has been an extremely short time from surgery to back on the field. And you got to hope that, that that's all stable for him and, and you know, uh, that it's all going to be healthy. And of course, he's now got a new gig on the Cardinals YouTube channel, where he's got like hosting duties on this new program. I do like to see the players when they can get involved in something like that. Yeah, because I saw it on YouTube the other day. Like he's basically he was going around with the nutritionist, you know, like talking about all that sort of stuff. DJ Humphreys when he was back on, you know, doing the big red rage and stuff like that. You get like a lot of insight from. Well, obviously, you get a lot of insight from these guys, but you know, I think it's really fun to see. You know, because I, I think one of the things about um, the NFL in particular is a sport where almost personalities can get hidden away. You know, it's like behind all the layers of uh, of helmet and everything like that. And the fact that the squads are so big, you don't really get to see individual personalities as much. And I do think, you know, situations like this, it's nice to see guys come in and, and really be having fun, enjoying the things that they're doing like that. I think inside linebackers and other group as well, where we've got a few names where... People are excited to see them. Yeah, absolutely. Speaking of uh, fan favorites, you know, because we've got straight away, we've got um, Isaiah Simmons, uh, Zayvon Collins, uh, obviously, you know, a guy that people are extremely excited to see. Got Jordan Hex, Tanner Vallejo, and uh, Zeke Turner all retained on the uh, squad. Yeah, obviously, everyone's looking forward to seeing the Simmons and Collins combination in the middle of the defense. Yeah, obviously Simmons uh, last year really had those moments where we were able to sort of see him come in and, and make a huge difference to games. Um, and not just that, but we saw him, you know, I feel like we watched him mature in real time last year. Um, so I'm really excited to see where he's at this year. And Saving Collins just looks like a, uh, you know, dynamite, dynamic player. He's another one who's already, he's also getting rave reviews from his off-season work, you know, like, 
he's coming in already sounding like a like five, six year veteran of the league, you know, being able to call the defense on the field and all that. I think this is where this comes in with the um do you remember all the talk around about the draft of the alpha tag? He's just showing it all, isn't he? It really is, yeah. I mean this this for me is is where um you know that uh, justification for a first round pick comes in. You know, if he's able to come in and and be, from all accounts, acting extremely maturely, and uh, in in a way where he is pr- producing good football as well. Um, yeah, I'm just I'm really really excited to see this guy play. I, I hope that we can get some you know good highlights even off the first like two or three games. And I mean, Jordan Hicks was retained as well, even though he was apparently after a trade away from it, but nothing seems to have materialized. Yeah, big uh, Jordan Picks, uh, obviously, um, you know, had his real moments last year. Uh, he also, uh, he was sidelined for an injury for a few weeks as well, right? I think he was, yeah, like at the end of the season, because that's when Tanner Vallejo came in and played a bit more, earning his contract in the process. Either way, I mean, I think when you when you see that full group written down, you know, Simmons, Collins, Hicks, Vallejo, and and well, even to a certain extent, Zeke Turner, that's uh that's an exciting group of football players right there. Yeah, and I think the thing as well with Simmons is the fact that he's so versatile. Like, I think we'll probably be seeing him like used all over the field once again because, like, like over preseason, we've seen him outside linebacker when there's been plays where both Collins and Hicks were in the middle, like we've seen him deep at safety, you know, he could literally play anywhere. I saw during a camp, you know, for like um, more for fun than anything else, but, you know, he was even playing snaps at cornerback, you know, just because, uh, because he's got that. He's, he's got the speed and the ability to do that as well as play inside linebacker, which is really good. And I've also heard really good things about him actually calling the defenses, you know, like, well, calling the offense rather and reading um, and, and getting everyone set, um, which is a huge skill in and of itself. Um, and, you know, something that I, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw him doing that in the, in the regular season as well. Controversy so far this offseason has been the cornerback group where, he didn't really address the position until late on, and now the guy seems to have retired. So they're back to square one again. Cornerback, cornerback, cornerback. Uh, it's been a number of years that we've been talking about this cornerback position, Tom. Where you know, even when we had um, Patrick Peterson there, we were always talking about the gap that we had at cornerback number two. We knew Patrick Peterson was gone. Nobody was drafted as a cornerback. And then we finally, you know, as we sort of mentioned at the top of the podcast, we had Malcolm Butler come in and um, unfortunately he's gone now as well. So we're left with a, a group of Byron Murphy, Robert Alford, Marco Wilson, Luck Barku and Tay Gowan. Um, some returners, some new names there. Yeah, I mean, like, obviously Byron Murphy's the one you've got the highest regard for considering how highly they rated him and you were able to snag him at the top of the second round. Uh, Robert Alford, we obviously we know he's had those two back-to-back season-ending injuries, and he's came back on like a one-year prove-it deal. Yeah, I think um, Robert Alford's a guy that I would like to see you know play through a full season. It's hard to say impressive um, when he has been healthy uh, because he's often been against he's often been cornerback number two, which I think is a really unforgiving position in that regard. Um, but you know, seeing him come on and, and be healthy and confident. I think um, 
yeah, as you said, this is a prove it deal, and um, I do I do expect that Murphy and Alford will be the starters. I'm not too sure on that because with how Marco Wilson has been performing in camp and everything, he's apparently the second most impressive guy behind Murphy. So to see those two starting, you know, maybe that'll be the way they go for it. Tay Gowan's a name that I've I've kind of heard being tossed around here and there with camp, but I, I definitely don't think he's in the conversation for starters at the moment, at least. No, and also the Luke Barku. He was brought in on the 21st of August, which was the day after the KC game, so he's not been able to play any preseason games for us this year. No preseason, no camp. That's That's definitely going to be setting outside for a while material. And yes, he's on the 53-man roster, which, you know, maybe just goes to show about the rest of the team. Like, the guys who they've had, you know, weren't impressive enough to make it ahead of him. But the other thing I think that it says is, is you know, um, that that group overall is probably quite thin, you know, in terms of, like, guys that you can get dressed on game day and, and different situations that you might need to get people like that in. You know, I think... Uh, if you've already got two starters and then you've got three guys behind them, um, it doesn't take a whole load of injuries or people getting completely, um, you know, uh, gassed out to uh, to start to run out of cornerbacks, which is a situation you absolutely do not want to be in. I think as well, when you look at the safety position as well, that's another one which is pretty thin looking on paper. Yeah, indeed. I mean, I, the, the one thing I will say, at least with safeties, is that we've at least got... Um, you know, uh, one one all star player. We've got Buddha Baker in its safety, along with uh, Jalen Thompson, Deontay Thompson, and Charles Washington. But yes, that would that definitely is a position which is thin. But again, it's like with cornerback. There's not really players out there on the streets now who really come in and improve the roster. Wow, that's the that's the real thing, isn't it? Is you know when you see people complaining, for want of a better word, uh, complaining about. The, the depth that we do have and, and the guys that we do have at those positions, it's like, well, who would you rather re-sign, you know? There, there hasn't really been an option out there, almost except for Malcolm Butler, and he's obviously no longer an option. Overnight today, for example, Josh Norman was signed by the San Francisco 49ers, and there's people complaining that, why didn't we sign him? But it's like he's 33 years old. It, it's funny, I, I feel like, that you know, if, if we had signed him, people would be out there complaining it's like oh why did we sign this guy he's 33 years old yeah i i suspect that uh, the entire defensive secondary will see shuffling during the season i think that we will see at least one mid-season signing or something like that um and probably be some shuffling to and from the practice squad with some of these guys yeah i was going to say we do have a couple of safeties on the practice squad and also cornerbacks as a pair who might make it up before long yeah indeed um we've got uh well do do, do you want to read out our list of uh, practice squad players because there's a few people on there that i would say would be almost a little bit surprised they're on there yep so once again there's the 16 man practice squad but obviously we've got 17 because we're able to keep bernard sykovitz as the protected international player pathway program player and uh you know just like a guy that i've enjoyed watching in the off season but um, I think he was always going to end up on the practice squad realistically. Yeah, pretty much. So the practice squad, we've got Andre Baselia, who's a wide receiver. We've got Chris Banjo, 
Rondell Carter, an, offense, an outside linebacker. We've got Josh Doxson, a wide receiver. Greg Dortch, another wide receiver. Russell Douglas, a cornerback. Kylie Fitz, a outside linebacker. Antonio Hamilton, cornerback. Sean Harlow, an offensive lineman. Jeremiah Ledbetter, defensive end. And Jonathan Ledbetter, who's also a defensive end. <laughs> and they're not actually brothers either. No relation whatsoever. We do like the the like matching names. We have the Thompsons both at safety as well. But um, yeah, Ledbetter is a bit more of an obscure name. Anyway. We've also got Coda Martin and Michael Minette, who are both, again, offensive linemen. Ross Travis, a tight end. Jace Whitaker, a cornerback. James Wiggins, at safety, rounds it off as well. So obviously they're keeping all the draft picks around, even though they were cut. Given what you can do with a practice squad anyway, that's a reasonable thing to do. Um, I mean, honestly, I think probably the only name that I'm kind of almost surprised by is uh, Chris Banjo being on there. What do you mean, like, he's saying he should be on the 53 as opposed to the practice I, squad? I would have I pegged him to be on the 53-man roster rather than the practice squad. Yeah, yeah, I see what you mean, because like, obviously he's a veteran player in the league, he knows what to do, you know. I mean, he's not particularly great, but, you know, he's better than having no one. Given who else we've got at that position, but, you know, this is this is part of the reason that you have the practice squad, you know, it's like he's there at a moment's notice to shuffle him in, should somebody else fail to impress. Yeah, or if COVID strikes, you know, because... Or if COVID strikes, absolutely. I think Josh Doxson's an interesting one because he's obviously a former first-round pick, but nothing really clicked for him in Washington. I think he spent most of his time injured there. Yeah, I think as well he also had kind of spotty quarterback play there. Um, but that being said, you know, if he's if he's going to not be able to impress in camp, then again, you know, it's also wide receiver is one of our stacked possessions. You know, I think that's hard to win a spot on there. I think they're just taking a fly on him, really, because he came in as a on a visit a couple of weeks ago, it was, but they never made a move then. But obviously, they must have had him in mind for the practice squad if no one else saw fit, because when he was coming out in, I think it was, it was a few years back now, from TCU, his final year, he actually made some ridiculous plays, because I remember him coming out. And it was like, yeah, he might do well in the NFL, but it's just not really worked for him. Practice squad obviously still gets the chance to, you know, show off for coaches when they can. You know, maybe, maybe it will begin to click for him in Arizona. But, you know, my part of my hope as well, similar to the uh, backup quarterbacks, part of my hope is that we don't see any of these um, practice squad guys because it probably means that we're uh, running out of starters. And I think Russell Douglas is another one who's worth mentioning because he's Another one who's been around the league for a few years, mainly in Philadelphia. But I think he went somewhere else after that. Getting more more experience into some of these groups would have been quite handy. But yeah, I, I guess maybe it could be even just a like less play in the in the preseason uh, and in camp and stuff like that made it just a choice of like, well, no, you go on to practice squad until you've got enough to prove for us. Yeah, that's a good point. Should we move on from reality football to fantasy football now, though? Yeah, sure. Let's have a let's have a look. Bird Gang Bowl nine we're on to now. Yeah, and of course, with us recording this one on Monday, it was last night when we had pretty much all the drafts. I think I don't think any of them are yet to draft. Uh, yeah, I remember you sort of saying we'd, we'd managed to get most of them down and out. So that does mean 
that we can now move on to our annual compulsory um, cursing of the team names. But first, before we get to that, how did our drafts do? Well, I had to I had to draft on semi automatic, uh, unfortunately, because I was working in the middle of my fantasy draft. So I have some questionable picks in there, shall we say? The NFL.com has predicted me as like four and eleven or something like that. It's like it's not great. It's not great. But when do we ever uh, trust those? Yeah, I was going to say because they gave me four and eleven as well. Even though I was pretty happy with the team that I put together. What's your what's your uh, thoughts with the with your draft? I was pretty happy with the team that I put together. Like obviously, last year I I think we both picked first, didn't we? Uh, no, not for me this year. I picked uh, eighth. No, I mean last year we both had first. Oh, pick, last year, yeah. last year we both had first pick. Yeah, yeah. This year I had to contend with being tenth overall. So. That's a that's a tricky spot to be in because you don't even get that double pick. No, you do get the double pick. Oh, it's our tenth and a ten man league, of course. Yeah, yeah. But then obviously you wait for like twenty picks while everyone else takes the guys you want, and that happens far too many times last night. Well, you know, it is what it is. Yeah, well, I've I've got a um, particularly uh, Chargers heavy team uh, with uh, Justin Herbert, Aaron Eckler, and Keenan Allen, uh, all in the same team. So I guess I'm hoping the Chargers do well this year. I've got Eckler on my team. He was my second pick after I took Jonathan Taylor at ten. Consistent point scorer. Should we get on to our favorite part of the year, which is cursing whichever is the best named team in the leagues? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, if this is your first time uh, joining us for the start of a season, then uh, you should know that uh, we essentially, and it's getting to be a bigger job every year because the the Bird Gang Bowl gets massive these days. But we tend to go through each league and we try and find what our favorite name in each of the leagues is. Um, And essentially, the people who we choose as our favorite names tend to do extremely poorly. Whether that's our problem, you know, or that's just because they're not very good at fantasy football, but they're good at making fantasy team names, you know? Yeah, good. Which, to be fair, is half the battle. Exactly. So in League One this year, we've got names such as What's the Frequency Canard, Hail Hail Murray, The Cotton Eye Joes, Tyke Cardinals, Nuke Skywalker, Zaven Private Kime, You Plonker Rodney Hudson. <laughs> Deep in your end zone, watching me, watching you, and Buddha Bing, Buddha Boom, which I'm pretty sure is a repeat from maybe last year or the year before. Yeah, we've had we've had some Buddha Bing, Buddha Booms before, but uh, generally speaking, that's a um, a fairly uh, original set. Um, I think my favorite is What's the Frequency Canard. I mean, I'm not going to pick my own name, even though I do actually like my. Which one's yours out of these ones? I've not. I'm, I'm looking. Saving Private Kaim. Saving Private Kaim is good. Because it's supposed to be like Saving Private Ryan, and obviously you have to... Kaim kind of rhymes with Ryan. Yeah, I mean, you could say like Kaim. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. I, I like um, you plonker Rodney Hudson as well, i got to say. Yes, good old thingy there. Only Fools and Horses reference. Yeah, exactly. It's very very British, British team name to get in there. And also Watching Me, Watching You, which is apparently... Supposed to be a reference to Sweet Caroline. And it's also spelled W-A-T-T-Ching. So, you know, it is it is technically a Cardinals reference. So uh, I'll give them that at least. But 
I think we should go for you plonker Rodney Hudson. That's probably the best one. I do feel that this is a this is a reasonably um unique one where we're gonna get a uh we're not gonna get a huge uh, number of repeats of these particular ones, but we move into to League Two, where we've got um Herb Your Enthusiasm, Isabella DeBall, uh Kyle Lurkers, Nook Kyler Warfare, Murray Up and Wait, Fresh Prince of Hilaire, Casey Casey yeah, we'll get Casey Chefs actually, not the Casey Chiefs. Rondale Burgundy, Cobra Kyler, and JJ Watt. I mean, there are some good ones in there, but not all of them are Cardinals related. So I think we need to get rid of that. Yeah, we we immediately discard everybody with that. We've we've had um, Isabella De Ball is uh, very similar to uh, Isabella Necessary on a bike. I know which genius came up with that one. <laughs> um. It's not necessarily Cardinals related, but I do enjoy KFC chefs. I don't see why they why, why bring KFC into it. Instead of the KC Chiefs, it's the KFC chefs. It's a bit meh. I'm not like you. Okay, not. okay. I think from this one, I like Cobra Kyler because obviously it's a play on Cobra Kai. Yeah, Cobra Kyler's good. It, it's a shame they didn't spell it with a K. Yeah, or Kyler, because that's another good one. I'm going to go with Cobra Kyler. I think that's a good one. That's yeah. Let's go with that. Uh, into League Three, and we've got we're, we've got all of the um, the cliches are back. I'm just loading it up. Let me let me help you out here. We've got Beats by DeAndre. We've got Party All the Kind. We've got Hot Tub Kind Machine, which is pretty good. We've got Vance Joseph's Justice League, Cliff's Notes, DeAndre the Giant, T Mac, Turn Down for What. The one K Watts and P.S. I love Pew. I think all but one are Cardinals related, so that's impressive, you know. Yeah, it's uh, it's always good to see. So I do like DeAndre the Giant. That's a good one. That's a that's that's a classic, though, right? That's a that's a standard one. I don't think I've heard that one before. No. Okay. Or hot tub kind machine, even though it's basically just one word changed. I like hot tub kind machine, and and they've gone to the effort to make a custom um, team logo, which is always appreciated. That's not a custom logo. That's just Steve Kahn getting arrested. <laughs> yeah, but it's a custom logo, as in like they've actually uploaded it rather than just a, a random picture. But P.S. I love Pew is a good one. Yeah, but nobody loves Justin Pew or any of the offensive linemen, do they? I'm gonna not pick my own. I'm gonna suggest we go with hot tub kind machine here. Why which one's yours in that one? I, I'm the one K Watts. Oh, yeah, we're not choosing that one. It's like K1 and JJ Watt. And I've got a picture of James Watt. Hot hot tub kind machine, was it? Yeah. Yeah, I'm just making a note on my notebook. Seems I remember how to write. <laughs> while, while you do that, we will get on to League Four, where we have the Kyler inside me. We've got Rondale and Hopkirk. We've got Fits Like a Glove, which is... Uh, a, a classic. Got Kyler Instincts, Weak Side Warriors, Cliff's Halloween P45, uh, Hunty FEF, Buddha's Bakery, Dennis, Dennis Gardex Sack, and Game of Jones. I'm surprised we've never had that last one before. I know, right? Especially like when Game of Thrones was really popular just a few years ago. And now look at it. It's been relegated to a crappy pun in a fantasy football league no one cares about. <laughs> Hey, there's a there's a trophy to play for this year. I mean, there is some decent ones in this one. I mean, I like Kylo Instinct. So that's pretty decent. 
even though it's basic again. Fits like a glove is a, is an old classic, but it almost doesn't even fit anymore. Yeah, I mean, Fitz isn't even here anymore. Get over it. I think Game of Jones is a good one there. Oh, Buddha's Bakery? Ah, Buddha's Bakery. That's an obvious one, surely. Yeah, we'll go for Game of Jones then. Consider yourself cursed. <laughs> I like your um, your nonchalant way of that. Um, speaking of uh, Buddha's Bakery, when we move on to our next league, which is uh, League 5, uh, we have Baking with Buddha, Edinburgh Cards, Rock DJJ. We have uh, Things of That Nature. We have Fits and Giggles, Thou Shenalt Pass, Hernandez Hitman, Ambassadors of Quan, That's More Like It, and Full Wattage. Yeah, these are all pretty lame, I think. Not really any standout ones, is there? League 5, you've let us down. I'm I'm gonna go with let's curse the Edinburgh cards, uh, just because they're you know naming a, a British place name, and that's the first time we've had that this year. And also Scottish thing, and he deserves cursing anyway. <laughs> Completely ignoring the fact that you're Scottish. Well, I uh, you know I, I I was about to make a joke about I've been out of Scotland long enough for that, but you know I don't want to I don't want to send the mobs to my door. In League Six, we've got we're going all the way. Buddha Wudda Kudda, Zaven Private Ryan, Kyler the Creator, Cliff Kingsbury's Barmy Army, Steve Kime Primetime, Throw It In Rotation, K12D Hop, Back Aff Ya Spooky Bitch, <laughs> and Kyler B. So Murray 21. <laughs> uh, got still game reference in there. You gotta love it. Uh, not very Cardinals related, though. Um, I, I think Kyler, the creator, is brilliant there. I love that. I'm sure we've seen that one before, though. Maybe we have. And I'm a bit disappointed in the top one. We're going to all the way. Because I actually suggested one to him for that. But he chose to ignore it. What was yours going to be? Well, I suggested to him, we're going to Ibiza. Oh, that would have been so much better. I know, isn't it? You know. Yeah. But, you know, we're going all the way. Nah. We can't have Zaven Private Ryan because uh, we've beaten that already um, with Zaven Private Kine. I think Tyler the Creator is the best one here because it's like he is a creator and it's also like Tyler the Creator. But it's also not original, but, you know, we'll take it anyway because there's not much competition, so. Nah. So League 7, we've got Tactical Nuke, Cardinal Sons, Bidwill's B-Team, it's a Kyla Magic, Arizona Hammers, Watts Walnut Waffles, Steve Kimes Head, Up the Franchise, What Me Whip, What Me JJ, and Reading Cardinals. I think the penultimate one, you know, that's a reference from 2015. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, that's could be a bit more modern, couldn't it? It's pretty old school. I I kind of like What's Walnut Waffles just because. Now, I'm going to say we curse that one, what we whipped, because, you know, it's like, where have you been? No one cares about that song anymore. I don't think anyone even does it on TikTok, do you? Whatever TikTok is. <laughs> you mean you're not starting a British Bird Gang TikTok? No, definitely not. All right, so we're on to the final league. We're on to League 8, where we have Murphy's Law. We have Darizona Cardinals, Carson Face Palmers, Play My Cardinals Right. The Beatables, K1's Cardiac Cards, 
what are we going to fetch Rovia, Buddha Shaker, hate to CTE it, and another one that I'm not going to repeat. Why was I only saying George is nonsense? I don't know who George is though, and why he's a nonce, but you know. Well, it's George isn't the nonce. His his uh, his guys are the nonces. He's like a a leader of nonces. That's even worse. Yeah, I suppose. Or maybe he's like trying to reform the nonces. Who knows? Who knows? I gotta say, the uh, first half, the, the first half of the them have got much better names this year than the second half. Because I'm disappointed as well in Darren and and Dan. Both going for the same team names as they've got in the Dynasty League. Yeah, indeed. Guys that we, we, we've seen. Where's your originality, guys? <laughs> I don't know. Who, who, who do you want to? Who do you want to curse in this one? Do you want to curse uh, Darren or Dan just for fun? No, nah, I think I'm a bit harsh on Darren. I'm in too many leagues with him this year, and so you know, <laughs> you can't I can't beat him all the time, as fun as it might be. So I don't know. Play my Cardinals right. How about Buddha Shaker, just because he's made a picture of Buddha Baker shaking a cocktail? I didn't notice that. Yeah, we'll go for them. We'll curse them, even though we've done something better than anyone else. That is the cursings complete. We'll have to see throughout the season whether or not they do manage to break the curse or not. Yeah, and, and we'll, ch- we'll check back with most of those leagues as they come towards the playoffs. Yeah, but until then, it's obviously just going to be League 1 and whichever league you're in, free. League 3, yeah. Good, good guess that. <laughs> well, it's back from the fantasy football and now back onto the reality football again with the season preview for the upcoming 2021 NFL season. And it's here and nobody seems to know what the Arizona Cardinals are going to do this year. You know, will they flame out and cost Cliff Kingsbury his job? Will they show further improvement or will they go on and win it all? Hey, you know, at least we can dream about the last one. <laughs> yeah, indeed. I mean, it's the it's the start of the season. Anything's possible, really, at this point. It's, yeah, I think um, a, a season preview. It's it's really hard to uh, really hard to pin down the Cardinals this year. You know, are they going to be able to, you know, continue to improve on on the like absolute flashes of you know essentially brilliance that we saw from them last year, um, or are they going to you know tumble down and, and fall and I think the interesting thing is, is that you know the experts have no idea. Um, there, there seems to be a huge, uh, like you know, lack of uh, of consensus from any of the punditry. Yeah, I mean, like nobody seems to think the Cardinals are going to win it all, except for us, you know, because but we're homers like that, aren't we? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I think um, it would be a, a huge outside chance for the Cardinals to win it all, but I don't think it's an unreasonable thing. Um, this year to expect to see them make a good run at the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you need to stay healthy for that to happen, and that's something you've not really been able to do in recent times, is it? Well, yeah, I mean, even if you just look at the end of last season, just for example, you've got um, you know Kyler Murray um, becoming injured for the last season of the game, which turned out to be, at that point, a, um, a must-win game. And, you know, like, you could argue as well that, like, well, that's that's bad and everything like that, but it's also you know the Cardinals got themselves into that situation by um, you know having a run of of poor games because precisely because they were they were they were struggling with uh, injuries. So of course what they've gone and done is go and brought back Chandler Jones, who spent most of last season injured, 
and brought in JJ Watt, who spends most of his time injured anyway. So obviously that's not going to help things, is it? If they, if that sort of happens again, if history repeats itself, it's not the best omen. I mean, that being said, you know, just because a guy is is injury prone um, doesn't mean that they're going to be guaranteed to be injured. And I think when it comes to both Chandler Jones and JJ Watt, we've got plenty of depth behind them as well. It's for me the the, the people that I'm worried about staying healthy are in the positions where we don't have as much depth. And of course, um, Kyler. I don't know. I think if anything did happen to Kyler, we're in good hands with Colt McCoy, aren't we? Not that we want to see him, but you know. I don't think that anybody is saying like, here's a team that can make the championship in the hands of Colt McCoy. No, I suppose that is true. You know, obviously live and die by Kyla Murray. If he's not performing, then the Cardinals aren't performing. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. I think that um, Colt McCoy is going to be brilliant in clutch situations. And, you know, if we do need somebody to play through a couple of games, especially at the end of the season, to keep Kyler healthy for the postseason, um, then I think that that's a, that's a great guy to have in. But, um, I mean, for me, I think that you need Kyler healthy through the vast majority of the early season. And I mean properly healthy as well, not just like able to start the game, but like able to run without you know, limping as he was doing at the end of last season, um, able to throw off of both feet, you know, all of the stuff that we saw him do um, early in both of his seasons that kind of started to drop off later on. I think as well it doesn't help the fact that we're in such a tough division. Uh, yeah, it really does. It is um, it is a tough division and, and you know, twice a year facing uh, the Seahawks, facing the Rams, I mean, even facing the... Um, the 49ers who last year were a bit more of a joke you know they they handed uh they handed it to us in the um in, in the home game against them you know these are this is a division where there there just really are no games off you know it's there's no relaxed games and i mean is it there is the possibility that all four teams in the division could make it to the playoffs how does that work again because i remember seeing this before well it's one of those things isn't it because there's seven spots in the playoffs this year each division winner is guaranteed yeah that's true then all the other three wild card spots could come from the same division i mean it would take a lot for i don't know like one of the other two well the other teams in the other three divisions to be like worse than our fourth best team but you know it is possible yeah definitely i suppose it depends on how everyone's um you know out of uh division games go but you know, obviously, like when it comes to when it comes to our division, where do you see us on the win loss out of those six games? So that's you know two against Seattle, two against the Rams, and two against the Niners. Honestly, I'd be happy with just going three and three in the division. I think you know, in, in years gone by, I might have been sitting here saying like, well, you know, if we don't if we don't sweep the Niners, um, then then it's a lost cause or whatever. But I I really don't think that that's going to be. That they're going to be, you know, as much of a pushover this year as they should have been, arguably last season. Splitting the uh, series with the Seahawks seems pretty doable, and um, you know, potentially even pushing them for for two and zero. Um, I think the big one for me is going to be, and this is going to be like a great bellwether for the rest of the season. It's like, how do we do against the Rams? Um, you know, if we are able to pull off a win against the Rams for the first time in like, what would that be, like four years or something like that, um, then I think would be in a, in great stead. 
So, I mean, like, obviously we do need to get that monkey off our back as it is. Yeah, I mean, I think that these sort of things, like, it's it's all well and good, you know, kind of laughing at it a little bit, but these kind of um, statistics do do mess with players on the way into games. They do mess with with teams overall. You know, if you're sort of saying like, oh, well, we haven't beaten this team in half a decade, um, then, you know, you can see why people go into these games with like a certain amount of, um, I don't know, like fear over them. Yeah, because I mean, like, obviously the Rams... They might have lost a couple of players, but they have upgraded significantly, I think, at the quarterback position, which is obviously the most important position in the game. Yeah, absolutely. Um big big changes afoot for the Rams at the quarterback position. And not only that, but you know, they, they continue to I don't know, really really put down a mark and as being um one of the one of the big teams. You know, they they are they're not as a joke and and I think, in a way, they're almost expected to be in the postseason every year, in the same way that probably the Seahawks were a few years ago. Yeah, because I mean, like the Seahawks, they're another weird one because obviously they've got Russell Wilson, so they've always got a chance of doing something. But like us, their defensive backfield is just a mess right now. Like they might have a couple of good players, but like there's so many question marks over it. Yeah, and I think um, with the Seahawks as well, there's a huge issue with, that they have with their offensive line and their protection, and has been for for some time. Um, I didn't follow the off season particularly closely, but or I didn't follow the Seahawks off season particularly closely, but it seemed like it would be you know a multiple year job to even fix that, and you know with um with Russell Wilson beginning to get a bit older and maybe not as able to to get out of those situations as easily as he once was able to um you know maybe there's a there's room for uh the, the Seahawks to you know fall a bit further should we move on to some season predictions yeah i think we can do that right so as usual me and Callum tend to do a like a versus me and him competition where we predict like the outcomes of several different things but this year, I've decided to open it up to the world or whoever could be bothered to fill out the form that I've put out on Twitter this afternoon. Um, yeah, so you should be able to find that form on, on Twitter, and I'm sure Tom will post it around as well. Um, but we've got a few different um, stats, I guess, for across the year uh, that we're going to have a look at and, and try and predict. Um, I've got my predictions. Tom has his predictions. And we will use the crowdsourced predictions to come up with a kind of I guess a, a fan average, and we'll see how well we fare against those those average predictions at the end of the year. Yep. So, should we make a start with putting ours down for the season? Yeah, absolutely. Um, the first stat, or the first bunch of stats that we have, are all um, Kyler Murray stats. So we're talking about the pass completion percentage, the pass yards, uh, touchdowns, interceptions, rushing yards, rushing scores, and fumbles. Uh, so Tom, do you want to kick us off and give us uh, what your number for uh, how many how many passing yards you think Kyler's going to get and what his percentage completion is going to be? I've gone for three thousand eight hundred and twenty five passing yards with a sixty one point seven percent pass completion percentage. So I think both of those are are slightly below last year's, right? I'm not sure. I didn't look at them before putting them down. Ah, okay. Well. Now, I've gone for slightly more than last year's because we've also got one more game. 
Um, so I've actually I'm giving uh, Kyler four thousand passing yards. I'm putting that on the button four thousand, and I'm also uh, giving him a percentage of completion this time of sixty six percent, which is slightly higher than previously. Okay, so touchdowns. How many are you going for? So I've gone for thirty touchdowns, and I've gone for twelve interceptions. Yeah, I've gone for twenty seven touchdowns and ten interceptions. Okay, so slightly less on each. I'm interested to see what you do with your rushing touchdowns now. Yeah, rushing I've got for 619 and seven touchdowns. So I've gone for uh, 820 rushing yards, which is a bunch more, and I've gone for 10 rushing touchdowns. And I've added a new one this year. I've gone for fumbles as well. So how many is he getting of them? Uh, Seven for me I'm going for. I I would like to see fewer, but um, seven, seven seems okay. See, I've gone for three on that because I, I think he keeps hold of the ball pretty well. So He does, but I think the previous two years he's had eight and nine fumbles, respectively. I suppose seven is an improvement on that then. Um, and that's that's all the Kyler Murray stats that we have to predict, but we do have a uh, bunch of the... Or, or the next uh, bundle is the Chase Edmonds slash James Conner stats. So we're, we're, for both of them, we want to see the um, rush yards and the total touchdowns. Yep, so for Chase Edmonds, I've got 961 rush yards and nine touchdowns in total. James Conner's got 715 yards and seven touchdowns. Okay, I've kind of gone for the opposite, actually. I've gone for Conner getting 900 yards and nine touchdowns, and Edmonds getting 800 yards and seven touchdowns. My thought being that Conner would be used more in goal line situations. I mean, I can see that being the case because he obviously is the bigger back. I mean, that being said, we know that Edmonds is more capable of being out to to be a receiver. So, um, I think this one this one's going to be an interesting one to look at at the end of the year for sure. I'm interested how yours are all like dead on, like a hundred, aren't they? Like eight hundred, nine hundred. It's got just as much chance of landing dead on something than it has uh, slightly off. You know, that's one way of looking at it. What about for DeAndre Hopkins? So Hopkins' stats, we're going for receptions, yards, and touchdowns. Uh, I've got him for 100 receptions, for 1,500 yards, for 10 touchdowns. A 15-yard per carry, per catch average. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty pretty chunky. I've got 117 receptions for 1,192, with 10 touchdowns as well. And uh, finally, we had a kind of return of a, a little competition that we have, although the players are now shifted quite a bit, where we've got Chandler Jones versus JJ Watt in terms of number of sacks. Um, where do you see where do you see those guys' uh, sack numbers falling? I've got JJ Watt on eleven and a half, and Chandler Jones has got thirteen and a half. I've gone for less for both of them. I've gone for 10 for J.J. Watt and only 7 for Chandler Jones. You expecting him to get injured again? I wasn't really going for injured so much as just like maybe playing more contained football. Um, you know, the, the, there's a lot more guys in the uh, in the first line there uh, this year than there have been in a, in a few previous years. And yeah, I don't know. 7 feels right. I was going to say you said that was the last one, but the last one is actually the season record prediction. Yeah, indeed. Um, we've got to predict uh, for set for the first time ever for seventeen games, um, how many wins and losses there are. Uh, and I've gone for a ten and seven. 
I will do a spoiler. That does seem to be the most popular one at the moment for the world as well. Interesting. Of course, things might change when more people get involved, you know, before the deadline on Thursday. So we'll see. Where did you go for? Did you Are you closer to the world? Are you more optimistic or less optimistic? I mean, I thought I was pretty optimistic with a 9 and 8 record. Clearly not. I mean, I, the, the, the reason I went with 10 and 7 is because I said to myself, I would like to see us lose one fewer time than last year. And that gets us to 10 and 7. So I guess in your way, it's like, it's the same idea, but you want to win one more game than last year. I mean, I'd happily like to see us win more anyway. You know, if you want to go 17 and now, I won't complain and be wrong. <laughs> First ever 17 and no season would be wild. Well, I mean, that's uh, that's our, our picks for the for the season as a whole. Um, I can't tell you how excited I am to see some Cardinals football back on Sunday. Yeah, but before we get to that, we've got the Pickums as well. Yeah, there's there's football action across the uh, across the, the the league. All right, opening up the season with uh, Dallas and Tampa Bay. I think this will be a tough game, but I'm going with Tampa Bay for this one. Yeah, I think uh, for me, the smart money is on Tampa Bay here. Um, I think obviously Tampa Bay coming off with uh, coming off of a pretty good Super Bowl win. They still look healthy. They still look you know dynamic. And Dallas have uh, you know struggled. They seem to be coming back a bit better, but um, not not the uh, the best, most inspiring team performance. I do think they've got the offense to keep it close, though. So yeah, I think it'll be a high scoring game, but. Um, to me, I think you know Tampa Bay just has has more ability to get it done. Definitely taking the Dallas plus seven point five on off. Put it that way. <laughs> on to Sunday's football, we've got Philadelphia against Atlanta, where I've decided to go with Philadelphia. I am tempted to go for Atlanta just because of uh, John Boyce's amazing uh, YouTube series that's going on just now about the history of the Atlanta Falcons. But uh, Philadelphia does seem like the smart money there, doesn't it? Yeah, it is a difficult one because obviously Atlanta are coming off a pretty dismal season themselves, but they have got weapons like uh, Calvin Ridley and Kyle Pitts. So, you know, you're definitely going to be able to score points on Philadelphia. But, yeah, I think Philadelphia might just edge it, but it'll be a close one. Do you know what? I'm going to take Atlanta just to be just to be different. This is it's early in the season. I got I got time to do this. Um, we got Pittsburgh and Buffalo, um, where I think for myself, I'm definitely going to be taking Buffalo here. Um, they are the, uh, the 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 team to beat there. Yeah, I'm sad to with Buffalo on this one as well. Even more so considering that TJ Watt might be holding out of this one. So, Yeah, interestingly. I mean, you should probably pay the man, then he won't. Or trade him to the desert so he can play with his brother. That'd be nice. You should see the two of them play together. Minnesota against Cincinnati. I've decided to go with Minnesota. Probably unsurprisingly. It's really hard at this time of year to to make uh, picks for some of these games because there's teams that you've just not seen, um, you know, in any action yet. And uh, but I do think that Minnesota is going to be uh, the 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 clear favorite going into this game at least. I do want to see Jamar Chase beat P. Who a few times though. Yeah. Has um is there any news on on um like Joe Burrow's uh you know overall career expectancy after that horrible injury last year? I think he's starting this one. Yeah. So 
Yeah, that's one good thing for them. I do hope he can stay healthy because he was he was fun to watch at least last year. San Francisco against Detroit is the next game. This is a tough one because I do think that um, despite the fact that Detroit were were supposedly the losers in that trade that they made with uh, with the Rams, they can still be a formidable side, you know, and and I feel like they're consistently underestimated um, in the past few years, but. That being said, San Francisco are on some kind of bounce back by the looks of it. Yeah, I'm sad to miss San Francisco in this one. As much as it pains me to do so, I just think Detroit aren't very good. Put it this way, I wouldn't be incredibly surprised if Detroit came out and, and like came out with a bit of a shocker of a win. Um, but I do think that it would be a, a shocker. We'll skip over the next one on the list because we're going to break that down a bit more afterwards. So yeah, I... Seattle against Indianapolis. This has to be a Seattle win, right? I mean, Indianapolis are a decent team, but they do have an anti-vaxxer at quarterback, so I'm not too <laughs> sure on that. This will be a bit of an acid test for, for the Seattle team at the moment and just sort of see, like, where are they? How much of the uh, the previous you know year's pizzazz have they got remaining? I think it'll be a close one, though, but I'll give it to Seattle just about, even though I think Indianapolis might have enough to get the win themselves. Uh, yeah, I can see that. The LA Chargers against the Washington football team, who is still without a name. I think I'm going to have to take Chargers purely based on how many Chargers are in my fantasy squad. Likewise, I want to see Eckler do a lot more. But I do also have the Washington defense, so if Herbert wants to throw a few pick sixes, I won't complain either. Uh, I will. I will. Well, you can. I would. <laughs> um, next up, we've got the Jets uh, versus Carolina in a, in a tricky-to-call game. The Sam Donald Bowl. Yeah, indeed. I'm going with the Jets just because of the new head coach in there. I'm going to go with Carolina because you should never side with the Jets. Yeah, I know. It, it does feel weird picking the Jets, but yeah, here we are. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, especially, can you imagine saying that to somebody like three, four years ago? It's like, oh yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick the Jets to beat Carolina. What about Jacksonville against Houston? Another one which might not be good. But. Yeah, I don't think that's going to be a great game, but um, Jacksonville are a, a team who are together and not in you know some sort of dire straits, and uh, Houston appear to be still in some form of meltdown, so I'm going to go for Jacksonville here. I mean, I don't think I've ever picked Jacksonville and the Jets to win in the same week ever, but here we are. Yeah, there you go. The times they are changing. It's another one as well with Cleveland against Kansas City, which is closer than it might have been maybe a couple of years back. Yeah, absolutely. I'm actually picking Cleveland to win here, um, just because I, I think that um, I think Kansas City are the better team overall. Um, but I do think that this early in the season, um, you know, traditionally they've they've taken a bit of time to really really warm up to who they are, and I think that um, Cleveland will be out there, you know, with something to prove and. Especially with some of the um, some of the players that they have at the moment, they, this is kind of their last big shot for a while, maybe. Yeah, I mean, it's a very close one. This one, I can see why people would go for Cleveland to win it, but it's hard to pick against Patrick Mahomes. So I'm going with Casey. That's that's fair. That's fair. Another difficult decision coming in this one for Miami against New England. Uh, yeah, indeed. Um, this one could really go either way. Um, I'm personally going with Miami just because I think um, 
New England are, are in the middle of you know breaking in a new quarterback. There's a lot of uh, change that's gone on there in recent years, and you know I, I think they're still finding their feet as the new squad that they want to be. Yeah, it is. A, it's a difficult one because obviously, like you say, New England have got Mac Jones at quarterback now, but he's picking against Bill Belichick's not something you really have much success with. So I'm still siding with Miami. They're just about, but I think it'll be a close game this one. I think it's, it could be. It's one of those games. It's either going to be really interesting and exciting to watch, or it's going to be absolutely garbage. Um, and only time will tell. A game that I don't think will be garbage, that I I, that I think will be um, actually quite a lot of fun to watch, is uh, Green Bay and New Orleans. Yeah, in this one, I'm siding with Green Bay, just because they've got a better quarterback. Yeah, I think uh, I'm going with Green Bay here purely because of experience. You know, I think um, it looks to it's Jameis Winston is almost certainly the starter there, right? Yeah, yes, he's been named the starter there now. He's been so. named the starter, so you know it's, we we kind of know what Jameis Winston is capable of. Um, we know he can have some good games and all of that, but Aaron Rodgers is uh, much more of a known quantity in that regard. Next up, we've got Denver against the New York Giants. Yeah, indeed. Um, where I am siding with Denver on this one. Uh, this is a game where honestly, I, I couldn't really think of much to pick between the two at this point. I just think the Denver's defense will take over this one and leave Teddy Bridgewater with not much to do. So, yeah, Denver for me. Um, we've got the last of the uh, NFC West games with uh, Chicago and the uh, Rams. Yeah, I've taken the Rams in this one just because they're playing Andy Dalton and they deserve to lose just for doing that. Yeah, I, I think it's um, I think it's it's hard to see Chicago winning with the squad they put together this year and last but not least this week we've got baltimore against the las vegas raiders i think for me baltimore's a, a tricky one to pick this year and i'm i'm interested to see where they come from through the rest of the year i'm sticking with baltimore in this one just because you know i think the raid this, will this be the raiders first game in their new home like first actual game it will be yeah but, I mean, it's still the Raiders, aren't they? Going up against Lamar Jackson, so... Last time that uh, Las Vegas had a new team come in, they uh, made the playoffs, so... I mean, it's stuff like that's made to be broken, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I did see one NFL pundit predict the Raiders make it to the Super Bowl. Oh, that's a, that's a tough old prediction to make right there. Yeah. I mean, like, I'm not even sure the most ardent of fans thinks that's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm not I'm not a big fan of that prediction. I I sincerely doubt that. But one last game that we do have uh space to predict for is the uh Arizona Cardinals game. Arizona at Tennessee week 1, 6 p.m. kickoff here in the UK and uh out of the 11 games that we've played against them all time, the Cardinals currently leading the series 7 to 4, which is actually quite a rarity for the Cardinals. Yeah, they've also won three of the last four, including back in 2017 when they won 12-7. Was that the last game that we had against them back in 2017? That was, yes. I think the last time they beat us was when Vince Young went on that like 99-yard touchdown run. Well, not run, but the drive like, late on in the game. Yeah, I do remember that. Nice game to be starting the season off with, actually. Yeah, I mean, like, it's a game really against two teams which are pretty balanced when you think about it. Like, 
our defence versus their offence should be a decent one. Likewise, our offence should be able to take advantage of their defence. So, you know, everyone seems to be expecting a shootout in Nashville. Yeah, I, I could see that. I mean, I think especially, um, I'm jumping around our, our usual order here, but if we talk about, you know, their, their danger men, you know, the guys that we really want to look out for, um, they've got... Uh, Derek Henry, uh, AJ Brown, and Julio Jones all there, which are you know pretty big names in and of themselves. I mean, like obviously Danger Men, they're the three you really would think about, but they've had COVID issues, haven't they, in the recent weeks? Like I think Michael Frabel was in quarantine, their head coach, and Ryan Tannehill and a couple of others have only just come out come off the protocol. I think that'll be interesting to see how much that might affect them, you know, because I can't imagine it's it's ideal coming off of something like that. Yeah, I mean, like, especially when they didn't play any preseason whatsoever, like Tannehill or Derek Henry. And I assume neither did Brown or Jones. Yeah, uh, I mean, well, you wouldn't expect them to generally, or, or you'd expect them to play a few snaps here and there, but nothing, you know, particularly um, uh, useful overall, but... Yeah, I mean, I, I, overall, the effect is that we might be coming in uh, to play up against a team, a, a, a Titans team who are, you know, less well rested than the Cardinals are, or or less um, prepared, let's say. Yeah, because obviously all teams would have had this four day weekend and only been back into practice this morning, Monday, as we're recording. I mean, the the prediction that I'm going to make, I'm going to make a prediction for a Cardinals win, a nice good old-fashioned Cardinals win for the first game of the season. But the main prediction I've got is that I'm just really, really excited for football to be back. I think we all are. You know, it's just been that long. Like, it doesn't seem that long. Like, once you get, like, past the draft and, like, training camp starts, then the days just seem to, like, tick away, don't they? Because, like, on the Twitter, I've been doing the countdown from 99 days to go. And it's now down to six as of this morning. So so good, so good. It soon like creeps up on you, doesn't it? Yeah, it really does. And um, I mean, the the one disappointment that I have uh, for this being the first game of the season is that it's the six p.m. kickoff window, so we don't get red zone. I, I normally quite like to watch red zone for a few hours and then then stick the Cardinals game on at nine o'clock. But um, there we are. It's it's a six p.m. game, and you know I'll be in my bed for a reasonable time. Yeah, Scott Hanson, I'll have to wait till next week. What podcast? What a long podcast we've had for our first, uh, you know, season preview podcast. But we have to put down some predictions before we disappear. First predictions of the year. Where are you at, Tom? I'm going to go for the Cardinals to win, thirty-one twenty-seven. Um, I'm also going for a Cardinals win, and I'm going for twenty-eight to twenty-one. Interesting. You don't seem to have them going for the overs. Which is, I think, fifty-two points. That's a that's a a pretty um, you know solid overall uh, amount of points right there. But uh, and yeah, I, I do think I do think we're going to see a high-scoring game, especially in a uh, you know against defenses that are just kind of getting back into it. But I also think that you know that side of the coin works both ways, and we're going to see offenses who are getting back into it who are making mistakes. We're going to see turnovers. We're going to see stalled drives because of that. Hopefully we don't see too many stall drives for us, though, because the Boo Birds will be out for Cliff Kingsbury, even if it is just game one. Yeah, indeed. But um, that's 
that's just the way it is and 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 hopefully we can sort of see them see see them off they've been wrong every year so far so i can't imagine that uh cliff kingsbury being fired at halloween is uh is going to come true this year for some reason yeah i can't see it myself either you know let's be positive this year you know we've got football and what could you ask for we've got football we've got crowds back in the stadiums which i'm really looking forward to as well that'll be something that will be interesting actually for especially the the second year players who played in front of basically no crowds last year all of a sudden they're going to be going into a, an unfriendly stadium there <clears throat> that being said though they're professionals they've done it throughout their college careers as well gotta say it's a lot better with fans and stands just watching college football this past weekend you know it's just mental watching it yeah even watching the, uh, the premier league and stuff just seeing fans back in it's been it's been brilliant yeah sports without fans is just nothing it's just crap <laughs> it really is um, but I think with that, that's uh, that's our predictions, that's our previews, um, and that's our uh, season starter uh, all done. Um, and all that remains is for us to finish off with our plugs and uh, and get into a season of football. Yep. So as always, if you're not following us on Twitter, go follow us at British Bird Gang. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash British Bird Gang. And join the group at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash British Beard Gang. Buy British Beard Gang merch at britishbeardgang.tml.com. And of course, if you like what you listen to on the podcast, then leave us a review wherever it is you listen to your podcasts on. You know, nice, decent review. Let us know where we need to improve, what you like about the podcast, that kind of thing. And obviously don't complain about the fact that this episode is like 90 minutes long, probably by the time I've edited it all. You know, it is what it is. Uh, Yep, thanks for listening. We'll be back every week for the rest of the season. Uh, I'm really looking forward to it, and I hope you are as well. So uh, with that, uh, I'll see you next week. Goodbye. Yep, thanks for listening, and goodbye.